Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Data Engineering Show. Uh, I'm Boaz. I'm be here uh, alone today without Eldad. Uh, but with me is Jonathan Palmer. Hi, Jonathan. How are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you doing? Very good. Jonathan is the VP of Data Platform at Scopely. Uh, Scopely, if you don't know, is a gaming company, a mobile-first gaming company. Uh, they did games like The Walking Dead and uh, Scrabble Go, Looney Tunes, World of Mayhem, and, and, and many others. Uh, prior to that, uh, Jonathan was head of BI at Go Cardless. Before that, he also spent more years in gaming at, um, at King. Uh, and in his background combines both business intelligence and data engineering. Uh, Jonathan, what did I miss about your background that uh, is important to mention? Or did, that, or did I get it right? I think you got it pretty much spot on. Awesome. So uh, tell us, what do you do at uh, Scopely? Um, so I work for a part of Scopely called Playgami. Playgami is the, the platform that powers our games, um, including their analytics capabilities, uh, but enables them to do everything from you know building the game, provisioning infrastructure to uh, experimentation, um, to CRM, push messaging campaigns, and everything in between, most of which are powered by data in one form or another. So it's it's my job to um, to kind of manage the strategy for how that data platform scales and grows and powers all the games. Um, you know, the tech vendors we work with, the people we hire, the the products uh, ideas that we have, one way or another. That's that's my job to make sure that all kind of works together. So, so when we say platform in the context of what you do, it, it's essentially the data platform or the entire platform on top of which the games run. Um, yeah, so my bit is the data platform, but but sits within the entire platform on which the games run. And you know, you, so you mentioned you know we see behind you in the in the, in the background the Playgami uh, uh, subreddit. So, so tell us a little bit about that. Are you guys positioning this as something to become a publicly for out, outbound kind of name for the data platform? What's the what's the story of Playgami under Scopely? Um, so Playgami is, uh, it's an, an internal brand at, at this point, but it's, um, you know, as we, uh, Scopely works with, um, you know, we have our organic titles, the ones that are built by Scopely Studios, but we also publish uh, games from third parties. Um, and we also have kind of acquired a, a few businesses over recent years, like uh, Fox Next with Marvel Strike Force and GSM Games uh, just recently. Um, so Playgami in some ways is part of the kind of, the the offering and the value proposition of, of of Scopely. It's the you know it's a super cool platform that enables you to manage the full si- life cycle of your game, um, and data is kind of the the lifeblood of that. Okay, so we, I'd love to spend more time on that. Before that, walk us a little bit uh, you know through your background. You, you did an interesting journey. You know you started from more on the business intelligence side, uh, then touched many many things. Ended up now being sort of VP of, of platform. Walk us through your journey. Um, I had a, a strange start. So I, I actually studied ancient history. Um, so I had a kind of zero uh, tech background. Um, but ah, uh, so, I, so you studied Hadoop. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. No, Microsoft Access. Um, <laughs> so it, it's, uh, yeah, I, I, I started out, um, I got my kind of break in, in tech from a company called Spark Data in Bristol in the UK, who kind of deliberately employed people um from non-tech backgrounds and teach them how to be software engineers 
Um, and I was working on data-driven systems. That's where I learned SQL. Um, and uh, over a variety of years, I got closer and closer to the data side. Um, and then uh, you know, the kind of inflection point, I guess, was um, when I joined King, as you, as you mentioned, as a, then I was a ClickView developer. Um, but I became more and more interested in the, you know, the the life cycle of data, how it works in, you know, enormous complex, like fast paced businesses, um, like in gaming. Um, and that took me into kind of roles like principal engineer and, and product manager and, and, and then director of data analytics. So more and more thinking about the strategy and how all of this tech fits together with ultimately what the business is trying to do. That's amazing. Uh, you know, you don't meet many data uh, slash historians uh, like yourself. <laughs> no, uh, there be, weren't many jobs in, in ancient Rome to go to, so I went down a different path. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's the kind of thing you, you hear about, you know, companies or people trying to encourage each other. Let's give a shot to people who don't come directly from tech or from engineering education to take on these positions. But the truth of the matter is that it remains very rare. Uh, still, so very interesting to hear, and it, it has worked out amazingly well for you. Uh, I wish uh, we would see that more often. Yeah, um, it's, a, it's an interesting model. It, it it definitely gives a high level of imposter syndrome, though. I can tell you that. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it does. Um, so uh, at Scopely, uh, let's dive into sort of uh, you know the, the platform, which is super interesting. Uh, before that, how many employees does, does uh, Scopely have worldwide, and how big are the data-related teams? Um, so Scopely is growing super fast. So by the time I say a number, it's probably already out of date. But last time I looked, it's like about seventeen hundred people um, in seventeen markets all over the UK, everywhere from LA to um, to Dublin, London, and Barcelona, where I am. Um, and the data part of that, I would say, is uh, roughly between 60 and 70 people um, in data-related roles. That covers our data infrastructure team, data applications, um, core BI, data science. Um, and we also embed a mini data teams of product analysts and analytics engineers into the games and verticals as well. So across all of that organization, it's about yeah, 60 to 70 people. And, uh, and Playgami, as the platform you described, was that something that... Uh, is that the new initiative? Was that from there from, from the outset? No, so I mean, every game requires a platform to run on it. So the, the platform itself is, I guess, as old as Scopely. But um, over you know, the last couple of years, we've really refined um, how we think about that platform and increasingly sort of um, delivering more and more kind of you know, competitive differentiating features and so on. And it's becoming a stronger and stronger brand kind of, um, within, within Scopely itself. So when did the Play Gammy brand sort of uh, launch? I think around, uh, you know, about in the last 12 to 18 months, I'd say. Got it. So what does the data stack uh, look like? So we are in the final stages of moving from our legacy stack to, to our current stack. I mean, our, 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 our you know, future-proof stack, so to speak, is, is principally BigQuery, um, DBT for um, the ELT with Airflow orchestrating DBT jobs. Um, and then the, um, the main kind of user touchpoint is Looker. Um, but uh, we, you know, we actually ingest data originally as Parquet files into S3 on AWS, and then ship everything across on a um, on a kind of micro batch basis over to BigQuery. What the, and what does the legacy stack look like? 
so before we made this change, um, you know, the data is ingested, the raw events are ingested into S3, um, and then we used uh, EMR, and, and we kind of managed Spark and Impala ourselves on AWS infrastructure um, for ETL and also for kind of users querying the data directly. Um, and then the principal means of access was was Tableau. Okay, so uh, Tableau on the old stack, look around the new one. Yes, yeah, exactly. And what was the tipping point? Uh, can you describe the, the moment in time where the company decided we have to start looking for or build out a new stack because this one doesn't cut it anymore? Um, so I joined uh, Scopely a couple of years ago. Um, and when I joined, it was it was one of my the first things I did was to kind of look around and see, okay, how are, how is everything scaling both in terms of the data warehouse, you know, the computational workloads, but also user experience. And, um, and the team had done a super good job of kind of running this uh, Spark and Impala setup on S3, but you know we were seeing um, kind of fairly growing number of outages um, and. One of my kind of north stars, especially as we already made the decision, the scope we've made the decision before I joined to to move towards Looker. We, you know, average query duration in Looker is one of my kind of north star metrics, and uh, and when we started off, it was around five minutes um, using wow. our Spark infrastructure, which is clearly not what the user wants. Um, and moving to uh, to BigQuery, we've now got that to uh, thirty seconds. And in terms of the actual sort of distribution of that, like most of our queries are in you know, single single figures. So you know, you guys having been in an AWS shop, I, uh, I'm sure making the decision to go into the GCP direction wasn't an easy one. Tell us a little bit about that. The, you know, the decision process there, uh, and then deciding to go for it. Yeah, so I think um, I, I don't think it was too controversial. I think uh, Scopely had had ambitions for a while to kind of consider a multi-cloud approach, um, um, and this was uh, uh, one of the more obvious opportunities to do that. Um, I'd worked with uh, the, the Google Stack in uh, King and uh, Go Cardless, so I already rated it pretty highly. Um, but fundamentally, we went through a sort of a super rigorous um, market search. You know, we looked at all of the big players, Databricks, Snowflake, um, as well, and, and Redshift, and we put them all through their paces based on you know our particular use case. Um, and at the end of that evaluation process, there was kind of a clear winner across a variety of dimensions, not just speed, but uh, scalability, cost efficiency. A big one for me is kind of um, barrier to entry. Uh, so, you know, if Spark is super powerful, but it's quite hard to hire people um, who straight away get Spark and be, can be effective in that world. Whereas the barrier to entry, I think, with BigQuery is, uh, is a, a lot lower. So the intention, though, is to stay multi-cloud and, and keep using both? Yeah. I mean, um, Scopely leverages AWS for all sorts of parts of the, the gaming side of the infrastructure and does it extremely well. So you know, at the moment, I think we've got a good balance between using the, the strengths of the various platforms in the, in the right place. Another interesting thing with the migration, you know, the move from, from Tableau to Looker, oftentimes you know, we see people it's not that they have anything against moving out of Tableau, but the sheer amount of reports that already exist <laughs> uh, make it tough for people to agree on at the end of the day moving to a to, to new tool. How did you go about that? Is there like a process of recreating or are you saying new ones in the new platform, old ones stay in Tableau? 
Um, yeah, it's funny you say that. I, I think for me, it was it was really non-controversial because the sheer number of Tableau reports was one of the main reasons to move. Um, you know, it was, it, it, I think we deprecated somewhere between 80 and 90% of all the Tableau dashboards created in Scopely's history as part of the move to, to Looker. You know, there was a huge amount of debt in there uh, that was wow. not being used that um, was, the, it basically creates confusion, you know, that sort of single source of truth becomes impossible. So it was a very compelling reason to kind of tear it up and start again. Um, it's like and, moving apartments. You start uh, going drawer by drawer. Exactly. Uh, it's the house The trash bin there, and then what goes into the trash and what stays in the drawers. Exactly. Everybody talks of... about spring cleaning, but rarely gets around to doing it. So it's the best <laughs> opportunity to, to do that. I think you know it takes courage too. Like you know, at the end of the day, deprecating eighty percent, ninety percent, many companies, it 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 takes courage to some extent. Even though it might be the completely rational thing to do and the correct thing to do, I feel many companies or many people get emotionally attached to so much work hours behind those dashboards. Throwing them out oftentimes makes makes people feel so. What what did I do that for? Um, that's true. That's true. I would and I would say it's a courage and naivety. But in in our case, you know, we had a, a relatively new team, and um, uh, I think a pretty clear sense that the way we were operating was not going to scale for a Scopely that's 10x uh, what it was then. So we had to do something, and uh, the value of Looker in that was was really clear to the team. I think the uh, from a skill set perspective. How did you go about that? I mean, uh, did you guys need to hire a lot of uh, new people uh, or were you able to, you know, use the same people who were in charge of the existing stack, sort of take over and also uh, move to the new one happily? Um, Well, we've been hiring rapidly anyway, so it's a kind of mixture of both. but you know all the people who are working on that that old stack have, have transitioned pretty seamlessly and, and actually really impressively to the to the new stack. Um, I put a lot of time and effort personally in that beginning stage of the sort of evangelization uh, education piece, so that when people started working, they could operate pretty autonomously. Um, because just having me as the only person who knows how to looker in a large organization is obviously not uh, not very scalable. So distributing that knowledge super fast, um, but also getting that sort of buy-in and that feeling of like, okay, this is actually going to make our lives better and we want to learn and we want to adapt to this. So uh, generally that that went pretty well and people have grabbed it and and really embraced the opportunity. Um, and when it, when it comes to hiring, you know, if you, if you only target people who are working with the, your stack, that technology is already like your target addressable market is super small even today. So but generally we're looking for different different attitudes and abilities. We're not restricting it just to people who worked on that. What data volumes are you guys dealing with? So, you know, for example, in BigQuery, how much data are we looking at? Uh, I believe there's about five and a half petabytes. And we ingest somewhere between like 12 and 15 billion events a day. Um, and and then in terms of kind of consumption, we've got about one and a half thousand uh, looker users, and they're they're running about forty thousand queries a day on top of that data in one from another. Wow, that's impressive. And uh, so, what kinds of use cases you know are running on top of the platform? You know, so a variety of things. So, like the most kind of uh, digestible of which is the sort of portfolio reporting. So the North Star KPIs that the whole business uses to understand retention, engagement, acquisition, monetization are kind of, you know, the default standard of this is how these are the the gold standard measurements of those things. 
Um, then there's this kind of deep dive analysis in the games themselves, looking at live ops performance, level progression, characters, battles, depending on the genre. Um, we have user acquisition and ads use cases. So whether it's kind of um, managing the sort of budget allocation with UA campaigns or actually, you know, we're also powering the forwarding of events onto UA networks and things like that. So for example, let me stop you right here for, for a second. So across these three use cases, for example, how are the people split? Are we talking about analysts embedded in the respective departments? Uh, are we talking about and then sort of joint horizontal data engineering that takes care of, of BigQuery under the hood? Walk us sort of through the, the human structure. God, yes. So our sort of centralized structure is around um, the data infrastructure and, you know, fundamentally running the platforms that power the ingestion, that power, you know, how we think about um, the relationship between AWS and, and GCP. Um, then there's the, the core BI team. Their job is to build the, those kind of baseline abstractions, those things that power those portfolio KPIs, for example, but also the kind of building blocks that other people can extend, like our core looker explores and things like that. Um, the responsibility of that team. So, for example, team. if you know one of the North Star KPIs, you want to introduce a new one, mm-hmm. which people are involved? Who's the analyst that defines the KPI? So and where is, uh, he or she sit. So we uh, fundamentally the engineering will be done by the core BI team, um, and their kind of the guidance of that team comes from the product manager of that team, and um, they, they partner really closely with our this kind of uh, strategic analytics organization, which actually isn't a part of my organization. It's part of the commercial side of the business. Um, and their job, part of what they do is thinking about how, how do we think about what success looks like uh, scopely and how do we measure that? Um, and so typically it'll be them that's driving that uh, KPI. For example, at the moment we're, we're working on um, bringing kind of a better lens to reactivation. Um, of players. So they're the ones thinking about the definition of that. And then my core BI team will actually be the ones who go and build that. Amazing. And, and so the in the core BI team, there's both data engineering skill sets and uh, BI skill sets? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, like all the technical roles generally in, are called analytics engineers and in line with that kind of move towards people who can move pretty seamlessly between writing, you know, building data models or writing LookML and constructing Looker products. So clearly people have different specializations, but our, our mission is to have people who are pretty uh, able to move across the three, like DBT, Okay, BigQuery, so, so it's not like, you know, person A stops at BigQuery and person B starts at Looker. You have the same people who, who could do both. Yeah, and like we've come from that model where it was more of a kind of relay handover and more and more trying to bring it together. So there's there's greater um, diversity across them. Interesting. Um, so what? Uh, so, so so do you consider the transition over? Is it done? Is it still in progress? <clears throat> How much is left? So the the sort of backbone of the transition is done. So from um, uh, from the moment we sort of signed the deal with Google to kind of first business value was was three months. Um, so we sort of worked backwards through the migration. So we moved all of our self-serve workloads, whether that was Tableau dashboards that still existed at that point, Looker or direct SQL query access. All of that happened first so that we could take the pressure 
off teams kind of keeping the lights on on, on the, the old stack and deliver value as early as possible relative to when we the sort of the meter started running. Um, and then we worked back upstream through ETL. So all of our ETL, whether it's kind of game specific or the core side of things, that was all migrated in, in less than 12 months. We've deprecated uh, pretty much all of the AWS side of things. And the only thing uh, I, I would say it's not so much related to the migration, but the thing we're working on now is now streaming ingestion directly into BigQuery so that the data is as fresh as possible and as fast as possible. What um, what other new initiatives are, are lined up? Sort of, you know, where do you want to see Scopely and the platform? You know, a year from now. So we've got a couple of big focuses, but I think one of the first ones at this point, like I'm super happy with the scalability of our platform. Like it, it does what it needs to do. It'll scale naturally as, as Scopely grows. We add more and more use cases, more games, more studios, more data. Um, now, focus now is kind of on quality and observability. So. Uh, it we we can do great things with the data, but we rely heavily on that data being clean. And um, fundamentally, that comes a lot down to the sort of tracking side of things. And at the moment, it's you know it, it's pretty easy for a game to implement their tracking completely incorrectly, and then we'll throw analytics engineers at the problem to kind of tidy it all up um, and get into the shape we need it. Uh, so we're going kind of upstream now and looking at the way we do tracking, whether it's the semantics or the or the kind of the tooling that we give to game teams to help with that, so they can get it easily right like first time. And the kind of time to insight, which is kind of another of my north star metrics, is is as quick as possible. But, but uh, how are you literally doing that? Are you using uh, any tools, libraries, and, and these new approaches? Uh, how are you going about that change? So some of it's about education and process. Um, some of it's about building tooling. So, for example, with that um, uh, focusing on a sort of streaming ingestion into, into BigQuery, the faster that data is available in BigQuery, the more we can leverage the tools like Looker to enable people to QA and inspect their events using the same business logic. Um, before, it was a bit like, if you want to see the raw event real-time here, you can, but if you want kind of business logic as well, well, that's batch, that's over here. Um, we're bringing those two worlds together. Um, but we're also looking at, uh, I mean, we've, we've, we've had conversations with a variety of vendors in the space over the, over the year. No decisions have been made, but I think there's interesting companies like Monte Carlo, Abo, and Iteratively who between them are attacking this thing from a different angle, either looking at how com like commoditizing how companies build tracking plans and making that super easy rather than having to build that yourself um, or, you know, the Monte Carlo side, that observability piece that plugs into your existing stack. So all of these things are kind of, we're, we're, we're looking at them and working out where the kind of build versus buy trade-off is and what it is that's the kind of scopely singularity about the problem. Yeah, I mean, definitely looking into quality observability is taking the, the data engineering world by, by, by storage, so to say, with vendors like Monte Carlo, Databand, uh, many others. Uh, it's interesting to follow how that plays out and who uh, sort of will stay on top. And, and But most importantly, you know, that really seeing everybody adopting these uh, processes and mindsets. Because at the end of the day, it's really something that can make a difference. Uh, so much time wasted by figuring things out downstream when they're wrong. Uh, it's a, it's a natural next step for for our market, I guess. Absolutely, absolutely, and it's it's great to see, and it's it, it's interesting, you know, working with software engineers and noticed that, and they are talking about observability of platforms. 
you know, three to five years ago. And then you start to see the same thing crop up in data engineering shortly afterwards. I think there's this kind of off, this kind of virtuous cycle of these th patterns that come over from software engineering and get applied to data engineering to our use cases as well. What about uh, data science? Uh, is there a dedicated data science department? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so we have a, a data science department. They work principally on our kind of predictive um, uh, offering of the platform. So um, they using you know, machine learning, mainly working with Dataproc on, on GCP to, um, to do things like uh, LTV predictions, churn predictions. Um, but we're, we're moving more and more to a world where we don't just kind of predict what's going to happen, but prescribing uh, what would be the, the best course of action uh, to avoid the, the negative outcome as well. Mm -hmm. And how big is that? How, how big people? is that? Uh, uh, data science team is relatively small. Uh, it's like less than 10 people, um, but you know, working with software engineers and certain product designers around them to, to build these products. All in all, there's like, you know, you mentioned there are around 60 people dealing with data, I guess. What uh, sort of processes are in place I guess sort of to, to stay horizontally aligned. Is there sort of a, a weekly guild meeting or anything like that? Sort of how do you make sure everybody knows what's happening around and with data? Yeah, so with these kind of embedded teams, um, they we have a matrix management structure. So they're both uh, they both report into the games, for example, so that they have their kind of you know the the direction is coming from mainly from the roadmap of the games. Um, and then the horizontal management is kind of looking at that and making sure we move in a consistent, uh, coherent kind of way. Um, there are always challenges when, when you've got kind of two dimensions competing, but by and large, I think we've done a pretty good job of, uh, especially with things like the degree migration, for example, like coordinating that across multiple embedded teams and doing it in a consistent way. Um, kind of definitely stress tested that, that organization and, and the outcome has been, been pretty good, I would say. And so you specifically, how does your direct team look like in the platform? So um, typically I have uh, a few directors who report into me, both those kind of horizontal leads that we're talking about or directors of um, analytics engineering working in Core BI, for example, um, and the leadership of the data infrastructure team. Plus I have uh, um, a group of product managers who report to me who cover a variety of things from you know core core data products to data applications, you know, going back to that point about the Playgami platform, you know, the most visible product of the Playgami platform is console, which is uh, the Playgami console, which is the fundamentally the, the UI that you go to, 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 to work with the, everything that a game team needs. So how we embed data applications capabilities into that, that's also got a um, product focus as well. So within, you know, that journey from, uh, it's coping the last two years, uh, maybe specifically with the GCP move or in general, what in retrospect, if you rewind, would you have avoided? Sort of what, uh, <laughs> what you would, would you do a little bit differently to make it even smoother? Great question. Well, I think uh, one thing was when we were migrating, you know, whether we were doing the moving things like Tableau dashboards and look at products or game specific data pipelines or core data pipelines that, that created bottlenecks um, around and pressure on different profiles and parts of the team, which obviously had a knock, you know, if you're someone who's migrating your ETL is not building the things you need to leverage in Looker, um, that obviously affects roadmaps. I mean, by and large, I think we got the, the balance um, okay, but 
uh, one of the reasons, one of the big drivers for why we're moving to this analytics engineering mindset and having people who can kind of traverse the whole stack more easily is to avoid that. You know, I don't intend to migrate data warehouses every couple of years, but um, it really brought home that point around bottlenecks and kind of linear dependencies and um, making sure. So in, 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 if I could do it again, it would have been, I'm not sure the circumstances were there to do it, but it would have been great to kind of get that analytics engineering thing first and then the stack second. But it, that, that's also an argument that's a bit the sort of tail wagging the dog. You know, you mentioned you had been using uh, you know, Google at King as well. And in between, uh, you know, a few years passed and then you, you, you took on uh, Google again at, at Scopely. How did you feel the platform's uh, improvement over those years? What's uh, better at, at, you know, at, at the GCP stack today versus when you were still at King? One of the big things, I guess, is when I was still at King, um, uh, Looker was still a you know its its own independent, uh, own independent company, and so uh, I wasn't super surprised when the acquisition happened. Um, but you can really see now, I think, how the the two you know the, those things are converging and and complementing each other. Um, I'd say there's also been. Uh, like progress made in a bunch of different areas. Just this, the simple things like the, um, you know, the BigQuery UI and how easy that is to to work within. But also some of the things under the hood around um, security and uh, privacy permissions. All of these things have have come on some since I first started playing around with BigQuery. What must have been, uh, yeah, a good uh, four or five years ago now. Yeah. Okay. Uh... This has been super, super interesting. Jonathan, I can't uh, thank you enough. Maybe a good thing, a good note to, to finish with would be, what advice would you have for people like yourself who are not educated with the technical background and are considering a move into tech? Great question. I think, well, one thing I think is super cool now, which didn't happen so much at the start of my career, but you have... Um, so many bootcamp companies now who uh, who can help accelerate that and take different um, different views on the on the problem both you know uh, organizations like codeop for example who working with women and underrepresented minorities um, there are so many doors that are opening now um, so I think that's that's one avenue the other thing I would say is uh, working like aiming at companies that use the modern data stack they use tools like dbt looker and bigquery or snowflake for example um, and they tend to be startups um, and they, they those companies tend to move super fast super agile like in my experience uh, as someone at the start of their career can learn more in a year working in that sort of environment than they can five years working in a sort of big monolithic you know, legacy organization so i would i would aim for those roles and they also tend to be much more kind of uh, open-minded about skill set, I think, in their hiring as well. Amazing. Great piece of advice. I wish I could go back in time, study history, and take your, take your advice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it was all by, by accident rather than by design, so it's, it, but it's worked out okay. <laughs> Jonathan, thank you so much. Thank you. And Thanks see you around. Me. Thank you for listening, everybody. Bye-bye. So... We've launched just a few months ago. Uh, we're growing quite nicely, right? Yes. How many views do we have? Very happy. I think we've got like we're in the thousands, right? I think, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah, not bad. But we want more. more. If you like this, help us spread the love. Yes. 
if you don't like that, spread, you know, vote for replacing me. me for someone else. Uh, That's fine. And, you know, we promise to try our best to keep paying you. are amazing, boss. The data people from the most interesting data companies. So subscribe, make our mama proud, yes. help us out. Love you, mom. <laughs>